As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Jay, how's it going? It's going well. Had a good weekend. It's The weather's starting to warm up. We're getting ever so closer to, uh, ever so closer to the free agency and to draft, and things are starting to, to heat up weather-wise and NFL-wise. It's, if I feel recharged. You know who doesn't feel recharged? All the people who spent their weekend trying to get under the cap on our Bengals exercise. <laughs> so many people were like, that was frustrating. <laughs> but yes. yeah, a, lot of them, a lot of them said, screw it, and just didn't even bother. Like, ah, I'm a little bit over. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, one of those was me. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Jay and I really enjoyed uh, – well, I think we enjoyed some of the labor of love of putting it together to, to create – Jay, the Excel spreadsheet wizard. There's some accounting, there's some accounting people who, who could use uh, your help. Uh, I didn't I, – I mean, the amount of wizardry to make it look so simple was, was fantastic. I enjoyed working with you on that. You know, that all comes from running fantasy – sports leagues and fantasy sport games like pools. It, I just I found a way to streamline things and make them easier and I just kind of like self-taught myself excel and it's finally paying off. Finally paying off. But <laughs> digging yourself out of the hole from all those sports gambling leagues. <laughs> <laughs> well no, see if I run them I, I play for free. So I, I put oh. the work in but I don't I don't put so you pay yourself. In. I've never met a commissioner who pays himself to run the league. <laughs> what kind of racket is this? It's an excellent one. Yeah. <laughs> You've been <laughs> exposed here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so we, we are going to kind of talk a little bit um, about what you guys did. Jay, of course, has stats. Of course, he's breaking down the stats on all the entries that you guys submitted to us, what people were doing, what we did when we did it ourselves, um, and just talking about 
cap space in general and some of the other questions that did pop up and I think that turned into the most interesting discussions that uh, some that I didn't really see coming as part of a lot of people doing and looking at this exercise um you know I'm glad you all enjoyed it if you haven't seen it go to the site now it's up as our uh, it's our little choose your own adventure off season um you can download the Google Sheet or Excel Sheet uh, and play the game yourself for if you're a subscriber. Um, good deals going on right now, as always. Uh, so hopefully you will you will join us in, in doing that. Um, we got some others. We're gonna we're gonna tick through a bunch of news. This is like it's small news season. You know, there's not outside of the, the quarterback teams that are all you know in the middle of that mix. Whether we're talking about Carson Wentz and Indy. Stafford on the move and all the other now the the speculation of what the next ball to drop is there. Um, you know, every other team is kind of just a lot of tinkering, a lot of waiting. And I'll get into some of that too. 17th game, TV contracts, some of the cap cuts that are out there. The franchise tag window opens. We talked a little bit about that last week. I had a whole uh, deeper dive story on the franchise tag of Carl Lawson. William Jackson or neither, and we talked a lot about that on the podcast. Um, so we'll uh, get to, through some of that. We have some of your Twitter questions, a lot of a lot of off season free agency draft stuff, and a great question uh, that was posed by it was the the back row Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Um, and Jay and I have not talked about this. The only thing that Jay and I have said about this was I said he said that was hard. I said that was easy. We said. <laughs> Save it for the podcast. I didn't. Uh, so we'll we'll see. What we, it was looking at the last twenty years. If you had to do a ring of honor, the last five of uh, five players from the last twenty years, just the last twenty years, who would they be? So we'll get into that too. Um, of course, the you know exposed ring of honor is out there now. So everybody now starting <laughs> to speculate how big would the first class be? Who would it be? Well, I guess we know a few names <laughs> that were already hanging in the stadium, but all that is out there. Um, so Jay, let's start. Um, let's you know, let's start with your takeaways. Jay, you got stats and a breakdown. A lot of people that are listening to this probably took part in conducting the full choose your own off season. What were some of the stats takeaways that that were most prevalent as far as what people chose to do? At least the ones that submitted their their final tallies to us. Uh, maybe the most surprising to me. Um, the people kept it real. There, were, when it came to pick and bargain replacements, I thought people would kind of fill up some spots with that, so they could they could have some money to to use on the the bigger name free agents. And um, of the sampling I did, forty five percent didn't put a bargain replacement at any spot on the sheet, and that wow. kind of surprised me. I, I I thought there would be a lot more. Now there were some people that did two spots and there were a few people that did three spots with bargain replacements. And that's, that's just kind of going against the spirit of it. But, um, that, that surprised me maybe more than anything. What didn't surprise me, um, there, there was, I looked at a bunch of things. Uh, one of the things I want to look at is who was getting cut and I added all those up. Who's getting extended. Um, there, there was one thing that ended up being a hundred percent. Everybody did it. What do you think that was? Cut Gino. No. Cut Bobby Hart. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not 95% of the people cut Gino and 95% of the people cut BJ Finney. 100% cut Bobby Hart. Now, these are the ones I sampled. Maybe there was one out there I missed um, or maybe you. 
I threw out the ones where people didn't follow the rules. And there were a lot Jay, of those. Jay was getting upset. That was Jay the most was frustrating part. <laughs> and, and I know a lot of people probably didn't read it, what it was. Is most of it came with the draft picks, and people are picking picking guys that in the third round that went in the first round in our NFL beat writers mock that just went up Tuesday morning. So you you laid it out clearly who they could and could not take in rounds one, two, and three, and people either chose to ignore that or they didn't read that part of of the choose-your-own-adventure rules. Um, so if it, if it was – like Asante Samuel was a, a popular second-round pick, and he didn't qualify because Dane Brugler ranked him 34th, and you said it had to be somebody ranked on 38th or lower. Um, so I, I didn't throw those out if it was just that one, but there were a bunch of others that, that were just too far-fetched uh, draft picks. Um, a lot of people – made some mock trades so they had more than yep. than what they we you know just the first 3 so it, there was it was interesting to see all the different um submissions that we had uh as far as the the cuts I'll go through all these A- after the 100% for Bobby and then the 95 for Gino and Finney um 55% cut Suafilo 40% cut CJ Uzama that kind mm. of surprised me. Twenty-eight um, percent cut Geo. That really surprised me. And those really took. It, those came in fast, and then I, I mentioned it on Twitter, and you said too that that's it's just it didn't seem likely. And then I think people kind of re- readjusted their thinking, and <laughs> there weren't as many Geo cuts after that. And then twenty uh, percent cut Trey Hopkins, which again don't, I don't see that happening. No, the I mean, the CJ one is the most surprising, just because you know you're at that point then going with sample or some sort of draft pick or you're maybe you're making an aggressive play there. I don't know if that's an out of sight, out of mind, or if that because he didn't play most of last year or if there's a nervousness about the Achilles, which I think that's real. You always get nervous about it. But I mean, you know, it's the last year of his contract. Um you know, when I when I went through and, you know, I have my story of the whole offseason projection up, which is sort of a piggyback off of this, which does the entire draft. Um, it looks at, you know, I make a trade and and go through each position and project the roster for opening day next year. You know, this it's the last year of CJ's contract. To me, when you look at tight ends and how they – where they come from, where the good ones come from, where, where they develop – you know, it's guys that go in these middle rounds that have raw potential to develop, and then they do develop. Well, you're in an ideal situation this year to do that, to use a pick on a guy who's got some raw potential, who can spend a year. You know, CJ did this, a guy who can spend a year in the room developing, learning behind some, you know, quality pros, and then maybe by next year, He can be a real guy that you could think could take over for C.J. Uzama if you don't re-sign him, you know. And it's this: the Bengals have always loved to do that. They love to have the next guy in the pipeline one year early, and it makes a lot of sense to do that this year. But the idea of getting rid of C.J., I I don't think um, makes sense in in that plan as far as if you're looking at the future of that position. Yeah, and a lot of this was I think people were doing this exercise uh, strictly with the math in mind. And they weren't taking into account those kind of 
things like what CJ means off the field, the, what the Bengals' typical thought process is. They just saw, hey, I can save $5 million, uh, replace CJ with Drew Sample. That's not a big, huge drop off. And now I've got $5 million more to put towards a sexier free agency pick. Um, so I think all that, the, the out of sight, out of mind part of it, and then just the, the strict numbers of it, that, that 5 million was uh, too much for people to, to turn down and they decided to cut him. Um, I was surprised it was that much, but I, I think that's kind of what the, the philosophy was there when it comes to extensions, this kind of surprised me. I, I thought most people would just say, I'm not going to extend anybody. That's not how it played out. Uh, 65% of the people extended Carl Lawson. Uh, 23% extended nobody. 15 Jesse Bates. And then 8% for Hubbard, 8% for Will Jackson. Um, I was surprised that that many people were willing to, I, maybe again, it was math, where if you extend Carl, it only cost you $14 million on the exercise. If you, if you tagged him, it was fifteen point nine. Um but I was surprised that many people were were ready to give Carl that that huge of a contract and, and an, an extension as opposed to a one year tag. Yeah, well, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just a matter of well, I think the Bengals look at it the same way. Well, we'd rather sign him to an extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would be you know uh, he would be cheaper that way, and rather than this big money layout in one year. And that's going to be the interesting thing with the tags as people look at them is you know is, if the cap is down. You'd rather be pushing these contracts will have a little bit more, I would imagine, creative backload into future years where the cap is going to be up um, rather than this year. And so if you could do that, you would want to do that for reasons we talked about. And you can get him at cheaper or will at cheaper for long term deals. But are those guys going to want to do that? I mean, you have to be able to play the, the tag hammer on them. And that's going to be part of you know the challenging decision that they have. Ahead there is 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 figuring that out, but I think you're right. I think for the, for this, I mean, I just think it's a lot of math. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk about extensions really quickly because in terms of how much cap space they would take up and the the arguments I know my uh Jake from Locked On and I had a conversation about this um after the the exercise put out saying you know I don't think those numbers would properly reflect the 2021 cap space and technically they wouldn't I mean look I'm trying to just throw we, we I say a lot in the story this is an exercise this is about math exercise this is about understanding sacrifices and pluses and minuses to get exact on everything is hard but I guess we we can try to get a little bit more I don't want to get deep in the weeds on like contract extension numbers I think people gloss over a little bit on that but um you know to put Bates as fourteen probably isn't fair, but if but it, because most people, I mean, most extensions that you see are typically filled with uh, when you talk about a guy coming off his rookie contract of not putting a big number on that fourth year. Um, except when you look at the history of the Bengals, that is something that they have done. Geno Atkins, when he came off of his rookie contract and they gave him a big deal, it was at 
70% of the average annual value in that fourth year. They did front load. They like to front load these contracts. It's part of their selling point. It's part of why they feel like they can get away with not giving a lot of guaranteed money because they front load the contracts. You know, you're going to get it. Um, that's sort of their way of doing it. The same thing happened with Tyler Boyd. It was about 60-some percent, 60-70 percent of the average annual value um, in his fourth year, um, which is one year ahead of where it you know, of where you would actually be into the extension of the full deal. So technically, if you're looking at Jesse Bates as $15 million, which is top of the market, which is where he expects to land, you know, you'd be somewhere around $10 million or something like that for this coming season if it followed that path. Um, so maybe 14 is a little high. You could have maybe saved $4 million, and that's important. Yeah, that that's part of it. And Sam Hubbard in a similar vein. If he's going to be a ten to twelve million average annual value, you'd be somewhere actually on this year, probably in the seven or eight range. Cool. That's still a big number. Uh, maybe not as high as that, and maybe you could give you some wiggle room in some other areas. So keep that in mind when they go to do extensions. Now Joe Mixon, they did did not only went up to about three, so it was a sm much smaller number. But I'll say. That was not a full investment in Joe Mixon. There was a lot of outs. There was a lot of discussion of whether they even should be doing this. We got running back money. All that other stuff that goes along with that is uh, a little bit more of an excuse to hold back and not go all in. They will be all in with Jesse Bates. They would be all in, I think, with Sam Hubbard. So I think that's maybe the differentiator for people that would cite Mixing as an example of structure. And maybe not. You can get creative. There's so many. The important thing in this exercise is to show the base, right? Every team needs to find creative ways to get more out of less, specifically this year. That's going to be the challenge for the Bengals because it's, you know, they need to, every team needs to, but they need to, to get all the things done they want to do. And I think fans that went through this now realize that. You need to find creative ways, whether it's trading back, adding picks, whether it's really dominating the second and third wave. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong. You mentioned bargain replacements, Jay, mm -hmm. um, and how few people really used them. And I don't think there's anything. I think it's hard to put bargain replacement in there and have it not sound like a cop out. But I think there's a real good chance to set some of the third wave real names will be at bargain replacement level prices because that middle tier is going to get squeezed this year by the cap. Yeah. The 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 first wave is going to exist the same. The resignings and extensions and things are going to exist the same. The rookie contracts are going to be there. You're going to teams are going to fill those just the same. That middle level is going to be is going to go down. And that those guys will become bargain replacements. And so I think that's where a team like the Bengals that has extra money can knock out three, four bargain replacements of real names, guys that are on that list under five, six, and seven. That, I think, could be a key. Yeah, and I, I, that's where it, it's it's different because this is just straight, Matt. You can't you can't project all that, that different stuff that could or might happen. Uh, but you're right. A lot of those guys, uh, the slot corners um, – some of the other defensive tackles, I, I noticed there were a number of those guys in that that five range were, yeah, they could be bargain replacements. And that's that's where the Bengals have always liked to kind of dip their toe into free agency. Last year was such an anomaly, and it, it can really, really benefit them this year. 
Um, and I, I think it has to because you, you've got we, – we talked about this last year. You can't fix everything in one offseason. They, they still have – it's not like they took care of half of it last year and now they do the other half this year. There's still some things they thought they took care of last year that, that they didn't. And so there's still a, a lot of need left and that they're going to have to be able to hit on on some of those guys. And that's where it comes down to if these are, if these are quality guys that are already signing for less – you know, how do you how do you get them to come play for you when six twenty five and ones on the table and and no playoff wins since nineteen ninety? Um, maybe maybe they have to go a little bit higher and and are in position to do so because of where they are cap wise. Um, plucking off some of these guys in that third third wave who aren't getting the money they thought they would. Um, if if the market dries up for them and you're willing to come in with a million more per year than another team. Maybe that can convince a guy to come here when he wouldn't otherwise. A million more doesn't mean much when you're going from 10 to 11. Okay. Well, yeah, but you're talking bargain replacement. <laughs> I know. But but yeah. when you're going from two to three, yep. that means a lot. That's a 33% rate. I mean, and these guys, these are guys trying to hang on, trying to prove themselves. And I, I don't, at that level, I definitely don't buy that 625 and one matters. Those are guys looking to make a living and, and trying to find some security and trying to find anything, a chance to play. Mm. And I think they would see this place as a chance to play, particularly where I used a lot of, I found myself going into that zone. That third wave is in rebuilding the, the defensive backs. You know, I think I still think William Jackson leaves and, and I have them picking up Troy Hill, Michael Davis and Kevin King. Uh, Troy Hill from the Rams, Davis, who's kind of, who's your slot, uh, Michael Davis from the Chargers, and Kevin King from Green Bay. Guys that are third wave, squeezed middle vets. You know, Kevin King, who had an awful day in the NFC title game, but was a part, a big part of that defense getting there. Um, not saying he's great, but he's going to be devalued. A lot of teams are going to have seen that tape and crossed him off. You know, but if you're talking about a fourth, fifth corner, he's better than LaShawn Sims. Of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a long list it's a long list but you know you, you're talking about if you're trying to find ways um to be creative and maybe find impact you know finding a, a guy uh, that's they're gonna have to do that i think that is one of the big takeaways of this whole thing they're gonna have to do that and every team has to do that and, and you, you've got to find ways to make that little bit of extra money the Bengals have count and I think that's a big part of where they could make it count at DB and at receiver potentially, if necessary. Um, and, and they've they've kind of shown a little bit of a knack of finding some receivers as an organization. And with, since Zach Taylor came here, uh, so I think the thought is that they could maybe make that happen. They're going to have to, as people have seen, to do everything that they want to do. I find them a fascinating team this offseason, maybe more fascinating than last offseason because last offseason was just a wonder of if they would spend or not. This year, I think the method in which they do and the creativity they show in doing so is going to be the key more so than how much money they have. Yeah, last year they had so much money. You knew that, I mean, it was a question of if they would just because they never did, but they they had, they had some glaring holes and you kind of knew which direction they would go if they did this year you're right it's just looking at all these i mean the obviously the people that are submitting these 
worksheets are not in the front office, but it just gives you an idea looking at how different they all are at, at just if I was a true Excel whiz, I would have figured out how many different possibilities there were on this worksheet because that would have been and <laughs> how many got filled in because, yeah. man, there, it was it was there was a lot of variables and people went in all different kind of directions. That's what kind of made it so much fun looking at at how different people would would do it. Um, and, and that's what it's going to come down to the Bengals, too. They, they've got all these different options and you're right it's going to be really interesting to see which way they go with this yeah um so i think we look at now you we'll we talk a little bit about the the draft side element of this too um you know it really shows the the value that you could find in trading back if they can do it you know I, when you start getting into Who's going to be there now in the in the mock draft that we did our our NFL beat writers mock draft, which is up now on the site. Every every insider from every team kind of goes through. You've seen this show before. Um, with Jay, when you came, what was available? Who were the first four picks when you came on the board at five? Yeah, so uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson went one and two. Uh, the Dolphins went Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama, and then the Falcons went Justin Fields. So three quarterbacks were gone and one wide receiver. So I I had that choice of Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell, and I, I went with Jamar Chase. I just I, I think that's the way they are going. I, I still think there's questions. I, I, there's a lot to like about Panay Sewell, but there, there's some still some questions there too. It's just it's too enticing. Number one, it's not just because they were teammates. But the the connection between those two, the need to improve the deep ball, um, anything that can help make Joe Burrow even more comfortable than he already is, um, even if it wasn't Jamar Chase, if it was a different guy from a different school that put up those kind of numbers and you're talking about as a one of the maybe the best wide receiver in the draft, I still think that's the direction they go um, as opposed to, to taking Panay Sewell with, with that number five overall pick obviously influenced by whatever happens in March. And so, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. Um, that, that would be probably be the deciding factor. You know, if, if, if all things are equal fit matters, if all things are equal and you haven't protected Joe Burrow, that needs to happen. So you, you know, Sewell would, I think would take the, would take it if they whiffed on really feeling like they fixed their offensive line problems. Um, so that's going to factor into this too. Um, and, you know, the other factor is the depth of the tackle class and you know, the fact that if you're really feeling like you need to do it, you know, at 38, um, there's going to be some tackles there and some real ones and more than in the past. And you keep that in mind too. The, the thing that I have, you know, so I, I traded the third round pick <laughs> and now – it was hard. That is very un-Bengal-like, right? Like trading picks. That is not something that they do. Um, however, you know, I'm looking for templates. I'm looking for examples when they've really felt like they've needed to fix it. You know, nobody wants to think about the Cordy Glenn trade again, but they've been willing to trade draft capital to fix something now on particular on the offensive line in recent years. It did not work out then. I think they could look at this as we're not going to make the same mistake. We're, we're going to know the guy better. They didn't know Cordy Glenn well enough, obviously. 
that is on them. Um, and that's what that, and then not getting Billy Price to work out makes that turn into an awful pick. But that is willingness to give up draft capital to fix the offensive line. <clears throat> you know, so I I looked at Rob Havenstein from the Rams. The Rams are in; they're willing to trade. They are in cap problems. They've got a gazillion dollars in Goff and Stafford now, and Ramsey and Donald. Uh, they just they have they have all kinds of problems there, and you know Jordan Rodrigue, our beat writer there, talked about their willingness to do that and had him on the cap, potential cap casually cut if they can find another answer. If they could add a pick and save the money, that's perfect for the Rams. The Rams have a lot to gain from that. The Bengals would have a lot to gain from that because Rob Havenstein's twenty eight. He's got two years left on his very affordable contract, considering what he is. You're in the eight nine million dollar range. For a quality right tackle who is not 30. And that is pretty ideal. So, but what is the going rate for that? That was the thing. Okay, if they're if you're talking about trying to make this deal, you had to go back and look at some comps, and it's hard to find comps of trading for a tackle who can still play. Um, Trent Williams happened last year um with the Niners, but that's interesting. That's different because you know he was forcing the Washington's hand there. And there was a lot of other things at play, but you're talking about a third round pick and a fifth round. I mean, there was stuff there. And if you look at what the the draft capital of the Cordy Glenn trade was, it was the equivalent of probably a two. If you would do the you do the draft chart math, high two maybe. Um, with there was a pick swap in the back that it, it puts it in that area. You know, I think when you look at comps of what this is and what the Rams need, you could probably get away. It'd be interesting to see how they would structure it with with the Bengals' third round pick at the top of the third round. Maybe you need to be able to give a little more add on to do that. Maybe a pick and some sort of other player if they had interest. But I think you could pull that off if you could be shrewd and make that trade. The Bengals have typically not been great at trades, so I don't know if that'd be something that would work out for them. But to me, it, it's it's a risky move. But if you look at the end of the day, you now have an affordable right tackle that is quality and I think that opens you up to be able to do something like sign Joe Tooney to go with him and now you have what you want yeah I like that idea a lot the the, the whole part of that that you know as Jordan wrote that the the likelihood of of Havenstein being a cap casualty is if they have a replacement and they're not going to know that till the draft so what you mentioned about putting something else in that deal, if you put an identity, if you put a Fred Johnson in there, then would would that be enough for the Rams to say, okay, let's let's pull the trigger on this and do it? Um, I agree. I, I think that would be an ideal way to go. Not sure which one of those two the Rams would rather have, but if you can if you can do that and give up that third round pick, I mean, <laughs> we've it, it's not just linebackers. It's it's. Second round's been great for the Bengals. Third round has has not typically been a great round to pick. And not I'm not saying that's going to play into the the decision. It just shows how hard it is to hit on a guy it, once you get past those first couple rounds. And I, I think you get a guy, like you said, under 30, experienced guy in the league, um, right tackle. You're not asking a, a 
someone, if you, if you draft a Panay Sewell, you're asking either him or Jonah to switch to right tackle. Um, it's, it's just, it, it just feels like a perfect fit if they could pull that trade off. Yeah, I mean, if you can pull it off. And, and maybe yeah. it makes you uncomfortable if you're having to give up a second round and some sort of pick swap situation. Um, that's a little different. But again, you goes back to you can make up for that if you moved out of five a little bit. I mean, if you're we're sitting here debating, I don't know, Chase, Sewell, whatever. You mm-hmm. like the the depth of the tackle class. We've talked a lot about that, and a lot of that will come back to you know, if a team, a quarterback needy team, is willing to come up to get in front of the Eagles. You know, we know, you know, a team that's, we know all the, we've gone over the teams that could take a quarterback that are right behind the Bengals, the Eagles trading Wentz. You know, they're sitting there with Jalen Hurts. Are they building around Jalen Hurts? Are they willing to not take somebody to compete with Jalen Hurts? Uh, Can teams be sure of that? Um, Either way, I think you could see the Bengals as a trade partner at five. Um, If one of those in the mock draft, you know, you had Justin Fields going off to Atlanta at four. You know, if Atlanta doesn't go for him, if they take Sewell or Chase or whatever, and Justin Fields is on the board, you have to feel like the phone's going to be ringing. The Bengals should be willing to pick up and move back. You can add, you know, then you add the second round pick. Then it's easier to, to feel comfortable giving that, giving one of them away for a tackle or you've got more. There's just so much more you can do. And again, it's those creative corners that you need to cut is kind of what this all comes back to and figuring out how they're going to do this it's it's it's, uh, it's a fascinating thing yeah just a little insight on how that mock was put together we were told no trades were allowed so there, that, that was not an option and i do think um i i left zach berman our eagles writer somewhat fluxed when i picked jamar chase because he's like well crap now the top three quarterbacks and the top two wide receivers are off the board he's like i need some time and so (laughs) (laughs) plus they were dealing with you know everything that was going down and and so um i I think they were totally expecting to be able to get either one of the top three quarterbacks or chase or um devontae smith so yes they're we're going to do another one of these mock drafts where we're going to allow trades and we did it last year and there were quite a few trades and you know whether you do it or i do it i think we will both listen to any offer that comes along for that number five spot yeah, don't worry. We're working for you, Bengals fans. <laughs> We're trying to, move. you know, I, I, you know I, again, a lot of a lot of fun options on the table for how the Bengals will pull this off and approach this. Let's um, let's run through some new news nuggets real quick, and then we'll get to a few of your Twitter questions. Um, the franchise tag window is open. Um, you know, it goes through March 9th is your deadline. I mean the. Teams don't even know exactly what the exact number is going to be yet until they set the salary cap. It's a percentage of that for each position. So right now, I mean, under like the exercise that we did, it's you know it's it's about sixteen million, fifteen point nine for Carl Lawson. But if the cap were to go way up, that could be a little bit higher. If, you know, we know the floor at this point, but that is all sort of. TBD as we wait to learn about 17th game should be announced soon. I think everybody's under the assumption that that's going to happen and we'll find out what that we know. Uh, all the reports on that before for this coming year would have the Bengals playing San Francisco, whether that's home or away would be TBD um, on whether they decide. I think that the idea was the 17th game would be on the other side, other conference, a corresponding position in the standings, and then they would alternate home and away AFC and NFC each year. So potentially if, if AFC was away this year at San Francisco, win for the scribes on that one potentially. Uh, and so 
We'll see. But I, that, that affects the cap. Uh, TV contracts currently being renegotiated. They're trying very uh, out in public to take all of Disney's money. Uh, well, let's be honest. Take a larger portion of their massive nugget of money that they have. Uh, so that, if they could get that done, would could bring the cap up significantly. Um, all these things are in play before they can set that. So teams are going to want to know all of these details before they make any official move. No one is going to go using the tag immediately because you're also negotiating with these guys. It's the window to negotiate long-term contracts. And so those things get done on deadlines. I would expect, don't worry about the fact that it opened today. Worry about the fact that it closes on the ninth. That's when you need to be paying attention is the days when we start getting closer to that, whether they get a long-term deal done with Lawson or Jackson or use the tag on either one of those guys. Don't be worrying about that right now. Yeah, I'm trying to remember last year. It was it was a a lock that the Bengals were going to tag AJ. And I still think it was closer to the end of the window than the opening where they made it official and actually yeah. did it. And you didn't have all these other variables in play. So, yep. yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if, if we see too many teams tagging anybody this week. It, it's probably going to kick in next week. Yep. Uh, some a few of the cap cuts are starting to happen, but again, most of these because of everything we just mentioned, everything being in flux, not knowing the cap. I mean, you know, if if they land some massive TV contract, uh, and had the seventeenth game and negotiated up, I mean, the cap could could go up significantly. I think most are in the idea that's going to end up between the one eighty one eighty five range for this year, but you know. You never know, depending on how much future money they feel like they have and the decision they make on how they want to, you know, lay that out. Um, that affects, you know, one to two guys that every team that's on the wrong side of the cap will need to cut. So everybody going to be waiting. That is going to be really everyone just kind of sitting, staring at that. And when that happens, you has to feel like you'll see, boom, all the moves come out at once, which will be <laughs> very exciting and exhausting <laughs> for everyone. Um, so. Cap cuts, some of them are starting to happen. The ones that are happening now are the ones that everybody knew they were going to do that would happen regardless of year, time, season, TV contract, pandemic, whatever. Um, you know, interesting names that hit uh, Rick Rick Wagner from Green Bay, uh, vet, right tackle, um, has has service, certainly been serviceable, obviously would be a up, major upgrade over uh, Bobby Hart, uh, is, is out there. Um, so that could be a name to watch. Uh, Malik Jackson from the Eagles defensive tackle. Again, you're in that aging defensive tackle range and you worry about that. But when you're talking about stop gaps when you're talking about trying to get somebody while another guy develops behind him, uh, if you, and if he ends up in that mid tier, I mean, he, that he could be an example of a guy who ends up in the mid tier, depending on when he signs or what he signs. So, you know, that's the, keep an eye on that Tyler Eifert. Uh, was let go. I don't see him coming back here. No. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. I, yeah. But it would be you could, if he was just trying to hang on. Third tight end wants to come play with the boys. Yeah, one more exactly. year. You know, he, you know, he's friends. If he, he, if Tyler Eifert's sitting there and he's like, "Look, I can grow my mullet back out. I can go back to Cincinnati. Maybe I'm only playing for two mil." Maybe I'm playing that same role I was. I get to play with the boys again. Uh, people love me there. Why not? Mom and dad right, right up the road. 
you know, third tight end spot is open. You're getting him at bargain replacement level we talked about. You know, because how much interest is going to be in Tyler Eifert right now? Not much, man. No. I mean, he's he's got an injury history. He's at the end of his career. He's, he's you know, he's not quite the same guy. But, you know, they Zach and, and Brian Callahan had some success using him as, as their receiving guy, you know. So I'm not saying it's, it's going to happen, but all those reasons I just pulled out make logical sense. I mean, the fact pattern matches. If it's a guy trying to hang on and he can retire a bangle, play with the boys, couple million, no sweat off the Bengals back. Yeah. And you, I mean, you you know how like these negotiations work from time to time and they're, it, it, it can get bitter and it never felt like that. It felt like they were pretty upfront with Tyler last year and said, Hey, you just don't fit our plans. And I think he saw the writing on the wall. It's not like he left here under bad terms. So there's a lot of reasons. I just, because of that, because he wasn't in the plans last year, it, it doesn't feel like a fit. Uh, He's on the the wrong side age rise, but you're right. There's there's his friendship with Gio and with CJ and the family being close. And if he's he's made enough money and he just wants to come back here and ride it out, it could happen. But he's he's going to have to play for a, a really really low contract. And maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I, I don't see. I don't know what percentage wise. I maybe put it at ten percent that he would be back here. Uh, it would happen in July. I would think, mm-hmm. you know, if Tyler goes through the whole period and nobody offers anything and he's like my only way to play, you know, uh, the, and the Bengals feel like they didn't really get a third tight end or they've got, they drafted some kid in the seventh round or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, last year we saw the Bengals do some of that. Mike Daniels, you know, I mean, the, the guys that are around, they have a little bit of a name, but are older. Uh, you know, if if he lasts and he's just kind of sitting out there, that's how it would happen. I, this would not happen in March. No. Um, if somebody's willing to pay Tyler Eifert in March, he'll take it. He'll he'll probably go whoever's willing to pay him. Um, and so I, I that if we're talking about Tyler Eifert, I think that's the scenario there. Um. Oh yeah, the Bengals made official what I told you a month ago that the helmet is staying on their new uniforms. <laughs> um. So because they they tweeted that out so. You, you now know that. New uniforms. Again, we've talked – the timeline on this is I would assume every team kind of does it before the draft, um, these uniform redos. So sometime there before the draft, you'll see it, uh, whatever it looks like, and we'll all learn together. All right, let's just take a quick break. All right, let's uh, – so let's kind of shift gears here. And Jay, you've got some some Q and A questions. Uh, you've got a mailbag coming up. Yeah, I have a mailbag on Thursday. So can still... people still sneak questions into you? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, um, so if, today, you, if you're listening even, to this, you got questions. Get them. I'll, to cu- I'll cut it off Wednesday at five. Then I'll work on it Wednesday night. We'll post it Thursday morning. Um, so here are some that came in already uh, from Greg Luther. What percent chance will the Bengals spend over ten million a year on an offensive lineman in free agency? Percentage chance. I I think you could put that over fifty percent. I, I would say sixty eight percent eight point three. Sixty eight point three. Percent chance that they spend over ten million on an offensive lineman in free agency. 
Yeah, I, I 66.7. I, I say a two-thirds <laughs> chance. It's just it, – it, it feels like they, they need to. There'll, there'll be opportunity to do it. I didn't do it on my worksheet, on our Choose Your Adventure worksheet, but that doesn't mean the Bengals won't. I think more than likely they will. Um, there's just there's too many quality guys out there that are going to be in that range that aren't – they've got the money to do it and still do other stuff. Um and I think that'll be last year. It was DJ Reader was the first one. I think the first big signing they'll make in free agency this year will be either a tackle or a guard, and it'll be over ten million a year. Uh, I, I'm with you on that one. What else? Uh, what else we got? Okay, uh, Mark Grayson wants to know, and I, other people have asked about this too. Uh, do the Bengals have the 37th pick or the 38th pick? Uh, he says he's seen both in various mocks. Um, the if you've seen them with the 37th pick, that's wrong. They, they're going to be picking 38th. Uh, the way that the NFL does this is that the Bengals finished with a amazingly with a tie, and they still finished in a tie for draft position because they finished with the exact same record with the team they tied, Philadelphia. So based on tiebreaker, which was strength of strength of victory. Um, or strength of, I think it was strength of victory. Strength of victory, strength of, strength of schedule. The Bengals won that, so they get to pick fifth. The Eagles are sixth. When they go to the next round, they flip it, and the Eagles pick ahead of the Bengals, and it alternates rounds that way. So, yes, the, the Bengals have the the 38th pick overall. Yeah, so uh, we've got we've got that. So don't don't believe those 37s out there. <laughs> Stay away from them. And there's uh, a lot of those like that. There's a lot of teams that tied, and they're going to be flipping mm-hmm. every other round. Yep. The important is the Bengals got the one that matters. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Um, last one here. Ethan Wagner wants to know, if both Sewell and Chase are off the board at five, how likely is a trade-down scenario, and which quarterback-needy team makes the most sense as a trade partner? Yeah, we we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Um because the you know if Sewell and Chase are gone, it means that likely Fields is there. Um, so you know there's a lot of QB needy teams behind you. I, I think you know Carolina is like they're just stacking their chips. I, I, you wonder honestly if they're going to be able to get Deshaun Watson done the way they are aligning themselves. You know what this is. You know what Carolina is doing. Did you like the movie Independence Day? Uh, I've not seen it, which I know is blasphemy. Everybody's seen it, but I'm not a big movie guy. Wow. (laughs) You haven't seen Independence Day? I haven't, no. I'm aware of the. You should at least watch the speech. Okay. We will not go quietly into the night. No, wait. What they're (laughs) doing is, I guess I'll have to speak to all the people that are listening that have watched Independence Day. It's when the aliens start aligning their ships. Right, they're like they're all setting everything up, and they're they're all moving towards somewhere. They're and it's all counting down. Right, the clock is counting down. Their alien ships are all aligning themselves, and they're all eventually going to end up and fire their primary weapon. That's what Carolina is doing. Carolina is aligning its ships to fire its primary weapon at Deshaun Watson, and uh, and, and you know try to take them out. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if Denver, or excuse me, I don't know if Carolina has Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum in tow to save themselves. Uh, but I do think that in this scenario, it, Carolina is going to try to make that play. So you you would say, I mean, they need a, they're ready to make a move at quarterback. 
if they can't get Watson, if they have not gotten Watson at that point, they would be the most quarterback needy team maybe willing to move up. My thought is, though, they would probably, you would think, be wanting to move up if they had aligned those chips up to two and trade back with the Jets. The Jets are making their decision right now. They want to weigh all the quarterbacks in the draft and pair them against Sam Darnold and decide who they like best. If they like Darnold best, they will trade out of two. If they like one of the other quarterbacks better than Darnold, they will trade Darnold. And I think, so you're waiting to see that too. All that stuff is in play. Denver? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Nine would want need to jump multiple quarterback needy teams. Could come up to five. You could trade the two to them. And they have Drew Locke. They have a new, new GM. GM. Make his mark. Yeah. I think the most likely trade partner in this scenario is them because I all, you know, unless they find some way to land another guy, then I think they you could see them be willing to come up and say, Hey, Justin Fields, let's go. Yeah, it would I mean what if you're a Bengal fan, what you're hoping for is Houston stays true to their word and they say, We're not trading Deshaun Watson. And and that goes off the table, and then all of a sudden you've got you've got Carolina and Denver back-to-back, eight and nine, fighting each other. Um, Philadelphia, I don't know, moving up one spot if, if they're not convinced and they're not going to stick with Jalen Hurts. Maybe San Francisco does something with Garoppolo and they they just they decide to move on from him and and they're fighting to move up. If, if Deshaun Watson stays in Houston, that really helps the Bengals with all these teams behind them fighting to climb up to five to get a guy, especially if – if only two quarterbacks go in the top four as opposed to the three that we saw in the in the athletic mock today. Yep. I'd be very curious to see um, you know, how aggressive teams get if one of those, if the third quarterback is is sitting there. But yeah, they certainly have the ability to be, and that's what teams come up for. We know that. So uh yeah, I mean, definitely a good chance that happens. All right, last question here, and we'll use it to kind of wrap the pot a little bit. It came from the back row Cincinnati Bengals show. And they were kind of trying to have some fun with all this ring of honor talk as everyone's kind of putting in their first classes and who's going to go in. And certainly we know some of the the names of the older guys. I mean, talk about them relentlessly Um, and, and who would be in there. But his was five player ring of honor but it has to be five players from the last two decades. So we're going back to 2000. Who do you got up there? Who's your five? I have my five. I thought this was easy. No, I mean, not easy, but I I did not have any problem with it. And maybe you're going to point out something that's going to make me realize I overlooked something. But Well, my question is, do they have, I mean, gone from the Bengals? Do they have to be retired? Like, can you put Wit in the Ring of Honor when he's still playing out in L.A.? Yes, Wit counts in the Ring of Honor. I mean, right now, oh, okay. So we're saying you wouldn't count Wit and yeah. So I was saying the if current you didn't guys, count, if you anybody that's still technically active in the league, like a Gino and AJ, a Wit and Andy Dalton, that's why it got hard for me because I'm not, I'm okay. canceling all those guys out. Oh, okay. See, I was counting those guys. Okay, because none of them are. None of well, them. What, Gino's the technically still here. But yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I get. Okay, that that makes it a little more challenging because to me, there's a top, there's an obvious five. If I'm not counting, if I'm you know willing to count, 
Because then I just feel that limits your time frame. Then we're talking about since 2000s, basically, you know, 10, 15 years is all you really got. It's one generation, one little iteration of Bengals, I guess. Because otherwise, I think it's, it's AJ, it's Wit, it's Chad, Willie, and Gino. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the obvious five of the last 20 years. But if you take some of those guys out, yeah, you end up in a second rung down um, uh, of different players that you would consider. Are you throwing Carson in there? Yeah, I had him. I, 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 if you have to go by play on the field. And so I did that. I said with mine, I figured anybody that was still active was not eligible. So I Chad and Willie were the obvious ones. And then I threw in Corey Dillon, Leon Hall, and Carson Palmer. TJ? Yeah. He's borderline. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, it's, he's, he's, he's borderline. I mean, the fact he was with Chab, I mean, he had some special years too. Um, it, that's that, that that does make it a little bit more challenging. Um, you know. And then also, if you're going with the qualifier, like I said, for Carson, Carson Palmer, just going with play on the field – where does that leave Vontez Perfect and Pac-Man? Because there's there's a lot of baggage there. But yeah. those guys, I mean, you look at guys that are no longer in the league that were impactful players in that stadium for this franchise since 2001, they're in the conversation at least. Yeah. I I don't – I wouldn't have either of those guys no. in the mix, you know. Um, I just yeah. – there's a longevity factor there. I don't think Pac-Man. I mean, Pac-Man was never even really the number one corner on his own team. Yeah, true. and I had a lot of love for for the way Pac-Man was on the field and the role he played on the team. It's great, but I mean, he was never even really a number one. Um, and so I don't think that fact. I mean, Perfect was a leader of the defense, but there's how many games did he play? And then the end does matter. So I don't yeah. have Cor. I wouldn't have Corey Dillon in that conversation because. It, at the cutoff of 2000, you, you you get some certainly good years, but you get a tumultuous end, and then he leaves, and there's only however many years since 2000. If you're counting the entirety of his career, if I get all of Corey, Corey's in. Yeah. Corey might be in over the five that I mentioned originally. Um, I'd have to think about that, but I, we're not getting that. So in this particular instance, I just can't. I think the longevity and and how and and the up and down roller coaster of Perfect um, would not put him on that list for me. I you know what down the line, you know, and this is where you get into with the Bengals Ring of Honor and my, somewhere Mike saying this is why I didn't want to do this. <laughs> you you do end up in that you will end up in a Perfect conversation somewhere. You're gonna put Perfect on your on your stadium wall. Yeah. You know, uh, I. Th- think a lot of people that played with him and coached him would. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting conversation. But I do think there's a lot of names um, in, in this instance that, you know, I would have above them. Yeah, a couple other names at quality careers, long careers, entire careers at Paul Brown Stadium that I had in consideration, and, um, Michael Johnson and, and Reggie Nelson. Again, never those not those wow kind of guys, but they played their entire career um, in, in this time frame, and and they had long careers with the Bengals. Yeah, Reggie, one of the better trades of all time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe the best, maybe the ultimate fleecing. Getting Reggie Nelson um, from the Jags. Yeah, that, that's Reggie is certainly uh, in, in a conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, for me though, I I just. 
I, I kind of saw the big five and then I just kind of quit thinking about it. I was like, no, that's it. Like that's, but mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, if we're talking about guys that are still playing, I guess they, they, those, those wouldn't count. But I mean, those, to me, those are the big five, but a fun conversation to have. Thanks for the question. Uh, back row Bengals always appreciate stuff like that. If you've got any questions that you want us to talk about on the pod, of course, you can always send them to us, send them to at Jay Morrison, ATH at Paul Daner Jr. Um, and we're always happy to to dive into stuff on the pod. All right, well, that'll wrap us up. Hope everybody has enjoyed. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. Um, and remember that we've got all this stuff up. The mock draft is up. I've got my my season prediction as far as roster prediction. We've got the off season outlook spreadsheet uh, party for you to go enjoy that we talked a lot about on this. Uh, we're all going to be deep into free agency and the draft and everything coming up. So there's so much on the site. Reds coverage is kicking up. Um, Trent and Eno Saris with a great story about Joey Votto up right now. Justin Williams continues to kill it. Justin Williams with a great story on my guy, man of Mo, Jeremiah Davenport today. A strong Mo man. We're everywhere, man. I'm telling you. Absolutely. He was supposed everywhere. to go to Wright State, right? He was. He didn't go to Wright State. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I saw Jeremiah Davenport. I, I I typically would go watch like one molar basketball game a year just to just just to watch. And I watched when he was playing with Jackson Hayes. They when they just dominated their way to state championship. I mean, that team, Deuce McBride, I mean, they they were ridiculous. Full of D one guys and an NBA guy. Jeremiah Davenport was the best player on the court of the game I saw. I mean, he was incredible. And uh I've always been excited to see where he would land next, and he's sort of starting to come to his own now at UC after a little bit of a wandering path, and it's it's fun to watch. And Justin, of course, kills that story. So hope everybody enjoys that. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody for uh, joining the podcast. We'll be back next week, of course. And so have a good one, everybody. Bye.